0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of FinTech Fridays. Uh, Super excited to have uh, Costa Ligris on with us. Costa is the founder, CEO of Stabby. I am super pumped, Costa, to kind of dig into what you guys are doing uh, in your space specifically. But before I do that, uh, let's open the show the way I always do. I ask my guests to share your definition uh, of the term fintech and what it means to you, either in your life as a consumer or preferably in your in your role uh, as founder and CEO over there.
1: Yeah, so um, you know, fintech for me is basically technology and software that um, that redefine the way that financial uh, financial systems and transactions have um, have traditionally occurred. Um, so, yeah, because sometimes we get a little heat that like wait aren't you guys a prop tech company because you're in, in the lending in the mortgage space right. and the reality is um no we're not we're <laughs> we enable financial transactions and 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 more broadly speaking um if, if I get this right from my marketing department uh financial
0: tra- uh, transactions that uh help people redefine you know key key moments in their lives yeah so. and and what what better way to say it key moments in their lives you guys you guys kind of get in and help solve a problem for consumers and servicers at arguably maybe the most key moment in, in, in both entities' lives. And that's a good segue to kind of dive in and just talk about your company, kind of the, the problem that you sought to solve and how you've gone about doing that. And uh, and I think you have turned this this that part of the business on its ear a little bit.
1: Yeah. No. Thank you. I um I have to do one technical correction only because um uh it, it wouldn't not ha- I wouldn't be where I am and I couldn't couldn't do this without me. So I'm a co-founder. I do have a co-founder that I started the the business with, Josh Feinblum, um who's our COO and president, and uh, he oversees all things technical, um as well as uh his background is in cybersecurity and fraud and abuse. So thank you for that. Um, thank you. So, yeah. No. No worries. It's uh it's something that's important to me and uh, um. It, it, it's just uh, very similar to sort of sometimes when I, I tell people, if they say something like, oh, doesn't so-and-so work for you? Uh, that's not nomenclature that's allowed. That's right. I, I work with them. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, it's it's been interesting, I think, for us. Uh, the hypothesis was, of course, to start in the origination space. And for the most part, our products uh, were agnostic. As a matter of fact, our very first product that we rolled out is a middleware that connects banks to their third-party vendors for settlement and uh, and title. And so it was really interesting to see the evolution of uh, how this pandemic has changed the world, uh, and that's where the opportunity existed um, um, through influencers in the space that um, that really understand servicing to sort of coach us and teach us and show us some of the fragmentation that exists. It's fairly remarkable to me that um, that we live in a time and an era where lenders are still mailing out through first class mail um, documents to people to modify their their loan documents and their mortgage so.
0: yeah it's uh and that's where i i, I loved watching you guys kind of kind of come up i was at flagstar uh when you know in your early days so uh, i wasn't directly involved but i i had a sort sort of a second row seat kind of uh as you as you were working with the accelerator and and the folks over there um, and, of course, our, our mutual friend, Courtney Thompson, who uh, we'll give her a shout-out here. She's the best. Uh, if you haven't looked up Courtney and Consigliera, it's time to do it. She's She is a, a dynamo and, and just a wealth of knowledge. Um, but You're in servicing and you don't know, Courtney. Uh, you're not in servicing. <laughs> exactly. You're not in today's servicing, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, let, let's take a step back and just let's talk about, Exactly. Uh, well, let's, not exactly, but let's talk about what Stabby does today uh, in in kind of the, the mortgage ecosystem. Yeah. So,
1: um, so we operate both in, in, in servicing as well as origination. Um, and so, you know Stavi is a platform that is designed to connect all of the relevant stakeholders um, in in one place, where they have access to all of the necessary tools to be able to take transactions. Um, that have traditionally uh, required in-person interactions and/or paper interactions. The two obviously um, going sort of hand in hand and moving them into a digital uh, into a digital platform. So we have ba- we have your traditional e-sign tools, um, secure video conferencing, um, and uh, and remote notary tools. Uh, one of the big differences between us and some of the other um, incumbents, which uh, you know we owe to, we owe huge debt of gratitude in terms of having really made electronic notarization, remote notarization a thing, um, is that we don't provide notaries. We don't manage notaries. We provide technology only um, to the existing framework. And so in the the, uh, foreclosure space, so our foreclosure product goes live at the end of this month. um, And in that product, uh, the banks continue to use their foreclosure legal network, the law firms that they have traditionally operated with. And so they're customers of ours as well. Um, and so that's essentially how we have decided to approach this, which is we don't want to pretend to be experts in fifty states and three thousand and six counties. We are technology. We're a technology company that provides infrastructure to empower um, the the stakeholders.
0: And you hit on you, you hit on something. You said they are customers too. So you have you're you're basically coming at it from both. Both sides of the uh, table, if you will, right—the the, the, the lender servicer side and then the service provider side—and then you you're essentially connecting the dots digitally for those transactions that typically would have happened in person and and uh, you know face to face, obviously, to to happen in this kind of digital world. And uh, I'm assuming the same applies in the front end for what you're doing in the origination space. Yeah, so uh, exactly the same thing on the origination side. So um, our, our origination
1: customers, um, you know, depending on what, what features they want to turn on and off in our platform, you know, we have an integration with Ellie Encompass Encompass um, loan origination so- software, and so they can go ahead and, and place their order um, through Encompass. Um, they pick their title and settlement provider, and then that title and settlement provider uses Stavi as the tool to actually schedule the closing with the consumer um, be able to conduct the closing remotely um, and uh, and do it in a place where they have all the tools they need, the video recording to comply with the state-run requirements of uh, Rolona or, you know, hopefully it's been some shorter of the Securization Act. Um, if it's state-specific, we've gotten down to the state level, and so the notary stamps that are generated and created, the requirements for X509 certificates or whatever it is that's required, Savvy supports that. Um, and so it's really was designed so that, um, the title and settlement industry, irrespective of what they're using for title production software, um, you know what operating system they're on, they have a web-based uh, interface that they can use to connect with the consumers, the borrowers, the sellers, the realtors, the lenders. So
0: understanding what the, the, what, what I know about that side of the business in terms of you know the, the just the notary piece and the, the, the signing it's still, <laughs> It's trying to come into the uh, the, the, the current uh, century decade, but it still lags in a lot of areas. It seemed, that seemed like a risky place to go attack. It, it makes sense, totally makes sense to go at it, but it seems like you had a lot of uh, you would have had a lot of friction with these antiquated processes and, and small companies that actually execute on all this. How did you guys how did you tackle that challenge?
1: Well, uh, yeah. So that's an awesome question, and I think more importantly, I, I, would, I would sort of restate: like, how do you tackle that? Because it's, uh, <laughs> it's not over, right? <laughs> it's, it's not over, and uh, and it never will be over. And uh, and first and foremost, it really frustrates me when um, I hear people, and it, it doesn't matter whether it's a fintech, but, but in any industry that is a disruptor or a pioneer, and they talk about all the things that are absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, we have had, I mean, honestly, the amount of um, positive feedback. The amount of um, you know support from the industry has been remarkable, uh, and that includes like small law firms that you never would have imagined would want to use digital tools. Um, understanding that, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes, Gretzky, like, "Where's the yeah. puck going? The puck is going digital. So you either skate in that direction, or you're not going to be near the action." And so uh, that's been great, but. Trust me, for every success story and every supporter, there is somebody that has yet to be converted. And that's okay because it gives us an opportunity to educate the industry, right? And when you show them and you put your cards on the table, look, we have no intention to do what you do. I did handle and settlement for 17 years of my life uh, in all of New England, brick-and-mortar operations in New York, New England, Massachusetts, Florida, been there, done that, (laughs) not in that's what I was going to do, I would have built tech at my old company. Um, You know, my perspective here is uh, there is an opportunity to be a platform that empowers the industry, and that's what we do. And I think that that is a powerful message, and I think when people sort of step back and realize and appreciate all of the things that we are building for them and how we help them migrate, um, even, I mean, I'll give you an example. If you are a title company in South Florida, uh, we know that you know, real estate is local. You know that, given your background. And so if you're a handle company in southern Florida and you've had people through your network that have done transactions in Orlando or in Tampa or in the panhandle, uh, you know, outside of your world, right. right? But now you can sit in your office in south Florida, use Stabby, and not only do transactions in those areas, but you can actually continue to market yourself now as being a statewide
0: provider. right. And so that's powerful. Yeah, I would, I would guess, and kind of piggybacking on that statement, the, the, the smart, the, the smaller local firms who may initially have been threatened, the, the, the smarter ones are going to look at your platform as a way to grow and scale without, without necessarily adding a ton of overhead, right? 100%. And I, I tell people, um, you know, when I started
1: practicing law, been to age myself, but we did. You know, when we negotiated contracts, it was the fax machine was the predominant method used. Right. I would mark up contracts. I still look at still, to this day, <laughs> red pens all over my desk. Um, I would mark up with my comments, and then we would send it back to them. You know, by fax, and that's how we would go back and forth. But look, I mean, today everything is you know redlining and doing it digitally and, and attaching files to Word um, or using um, you know platforms to share larger files. Same sort of yeah. thing. Like we're not here to do anything other than provide you with technology and tools to do that. And so, if you're not going to go back to the fax machine, why are you going to go back to the conference room with,
0: with pens and stamps? Right. Well, I think I think the uh, from my perspective, where I sit, you know, at FinLocker, we. So let's take let's go back and just talk about the impact uh, of COVID and quarantine, because yeah. I've got to imagine that that. Was a sort of pivotal pivotal moment for you all because it it has been for us in terms of user adoption and just the where consumers are in terms of adopting digital. So let's go back to that you know March 2020 when the world changed as we as we know it. Uh, did you view that right away as 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 good or opportunistic for you, or did it present some challenges initially that you had to kind of set aside and tackle individually.
1: Yeah. So the initial reaction is like, oh, my yeah. God. I actually remember being on a flight. I was in the U.K., uh, and I was flying back with uh, one of my board members, and we were kind of looking at each other. We boarded a flight from London to Heathrow to Boston, an international flight boarded in under five minutes because there were only like eight people on right. the plane or something. <clears throat> Um, and so there was, it was a moment of, uh, I, I think, you know, like any other traumatic uh, event in anybody's uh, or in our collective lives, there's a moment of, like, what is going on here? Uh, when I got back, got into got stateside, I actually went into the office. At the time, we were gracefully and graciously being hosted by accomplice of a venture fund here in Boston in their offices. It was a really small group of us. And uh, I went into the office and I said to the team, all right, we are going to experiment going remote. I want everyone to go home. Um, we got monitors and equipment for people to, to go remote. Uh, we actually, I remember moving stuff out of that office on a weekend. And uh, my co-founder, I think at the time, Josh was like, I think you're being a little dramatic and overreactive. Uh, you know, there's something going on in China, but let's all like, and I was like, look, there's nothing wrong with just like testing this out. right? Like, what would this look? Um, Entree, our first purchase of a Zoom license. <laughs> um, having a morning stand-up at the time, uh, there were like six of us. Uh, and so, you know, we went, we went remote, we tried it out, and then it just progressively obviously got worse, the pandemic. Right. Uh, but, yes, that, that was when we, we saw some of these executive orders start dropping in states that did not have permanent RON legislation. Um, and I actually uh, uh, drafted one from Massachusetts. I was involved in the one in Connecticut. Remember, you know, legal background, um, when people started coming and asking me for thoughts and advice in the space, you don't turn your back in industry, sure. even though you don't practice anymore so um, that was the moment that was a pivotal moment where I was like, okay, we need to stand up a product right now that can support these other states, and that's what we did. We rolled out a, a RIN product that allowed you to do to witness the execution of the documents, record the transaction, do the identity proofing, and we stood that up really, really quickly. Um, we even uh, at that time we offered small title agents and law firms if they're doing like five or less a month. There was no minimum. Right. They could just use the platform for free, and they just had to figure out where they're going to store their video um, after I think six months or something. I don't remember yeah. what it was, but the function of like we should be there for the industry. We are a technology player in this space, and that's when we really saw the opportunity. And that's when we decided, okay, now it's time to really dive into our e-sign tools and products.
0: Yeah, I, I, as I was thinking about the, our call this morning, I, I not knowing because we haven't talked in a while, just not knowing exactly. I had to imagine that that that. I don't want to say put you on your map. You guys were on the map, but I think it it, it had to accelerate, you know, growth uh, and and expansion. And so, what what do you guys look like today? I mean, are are you balanced in terms of front end, back end, in terms of originations and servicing, or do you sit on one, you know, heavier on one side or the other?
1: Yeah. Um, no, great question. So, uh, no, that and and just to be clear, that certainly put us on the, <laughs> the map. I mean, we there was a period of about three weeks where I was doing demos for every major title insurance underwriter and their compliance council. And like everyone was really running to figure out like, how do we support our our customers? And that gave us a tremendous amount of exposure that we would have gotten, but it would have taken a lot longer. Um, And in terms of, yeah, so where we sit, um, we're fairly balanced. Um, I suspect actually that in Q1 of next year, um, you know, what's the old expression? Like, you know, tell God your plans and to make him laugh or or, something like that, right? Um, And so we have been watching carefully, not just on the servicing side, but more specifically on the foreclosure side, um, you know, where we think things are going. And so the release and and launch of our foreclosure use case in the product, which is very geared towards reviewing and approving affidavits for foreclosure documents and things, we suspect that that will have – um, some serious usage in Q1 and Q2 of next year. Um, but, and we consider that as part of the servicing side of the yeah. equation. Um, so I think it will be fairly balanced. We are now seeing the most activity in terms of um, both interest, but also onboarding of origination. Great. And I do think that the next, I, I personally believe that the next, you know, three, four, five years, probably the next, you know, four or five years, the majority of transactions will move towards a hybrid equation um, not a full digital or raw equation. Um, and so as a result of that, now we're seeing situations where we're talking to lenders, like, look, when we started talking to you guys or when you guys started exploring this even before Stabby existed, it was really hard to try to get you to understand the power of having these tools. Um, but now, especially, in, uh, you know, coming out of this pandemic, hopefully we're beginning an endemic, I think it's really hard to imagine a world where you're not going
0: to leverage some oh, right. these tools. Right. Yeah, without a question, it's. Uh, you, you said at the beginning, you, you guys had to rush and get a Zoom license. I mean, what, what, com- yeah. what company in the world today doesn't have a Zoom or Teams or whatever, right? Everybody's yeah. had to go find those tools, and we'll never go back. We'll, we'll always lean on those tools to some degree in our lives going forward. I've
1: always been, uh, you know, to my demise, a workaholic. I work a lot. Um, it's abnormal. I enjoy it in an unnatural way, right. um, but this now changes the paradigm. Like, I used to meet a lot of people in person, yeah. and I flew out this week to meet a, a customer um, in person. But that is now certainly, you know, a rare instance. Um, and it's not based on size of the transactional relationship. It's really based on, like, where we are in the life cycle, where they're located and all that stuff. But, you know, the amount of time that I would spend, do I miss it? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, like, being in the car, I, I was very productive in the car, too. Like, I am either listening to CNBC, a podcast, or returning yeah. calls. Um, and so, you know, but all that time we spent going from place A to B to C to D it can really be minimized. I don't think that the world is going to go completely, is going to re- remain completely remote. I do, I am bullish that people will start returning to some sort of a hybrid model and they'll be in the office. and yeah. work from home. The same applies for, for meetings, you know, like, you know, you and I wouldn't be able to do this without the technology that exists today. I mean, think of what this pandemic would have been if we didn't have. Technology. Oh, right. Yeah. I I mean, it's think about
0: Amazon not
1: being around, Google not being around, Zoom not being around. Um, you know, if we didn't have you know uh, internet accessibility yeah. through throughout the country, um, mobile networks that were able to support all this stuff, like the world uh, during this pandemic would be a very different and very scary place, and arguably we would not have rebounded the
0: way that we did because we would still be trying to pick up the pieces. Yeah, you you uh, you talked about. Over the weekend, you guys pivoted to a you know let's go test this remote thing out. Companies without all the tools you just described that that was not an option. That 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 would have meant we would have been shut down, <laughs> literally shut down.
1: Look at the look at the service industries. Yeah. How many local restaurants um, have shut their doors and are not opening right. again? Um, you know the impact and effect in the hospitality industry um, will will take you know uh, decades to. To recalibrate uh, back
0: to what their projections were. So, so a couple couple questions that we'll kind of close out with. One is you, you talked about kind of Q1, Q2 next year, which appears to be when this uh, uh, when we may start to see kind of the the foreclosure wave actually hit the shore, right? Um, what what's kind of what do you, what do you think that looks like for our industry? I you know I think we're in a completely different uh, cycle than we were you know during the crash in terms of where property values are and do, do you view what's coming as kind of a a heavy hit or will it be a, you know it's going to be heavy in terms of the number of transactions that have to occur it just there hasn't been any for so long if they're pent up but do you really see it being yeah. this, this massive wave or uh with property values where they are will it be kind of somewhat offset by that so um I have, taken, I have taken two economics classes in business school,
1: which qualifies me to be an economist more than most people <laughs> on Twitter these days. Um, but uh, all kidding aside, I, 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 um, uh, econo, eco, economics and econometric factors are always very interesting and something I've, um, I've tried to teach myself as much as possible and look at what, what history has sort of shown us. I am fully aware of the narrative that um, the majority of economists have taken, which is, listen, I love economists. Some of my friends at at the business school where I I teach now are, you know, amazing economic um, thought leaders. But they look at data and spreadsheets, and the one thing that is really important is really appreciating the behavioral aspect of what we're talking about. We are talking about people's homes. We are talking about, their, you know, their homestead, where they live, where their families are, where their kids go to school, um, their communities. And so it, I think that uh, – so your question really is, like, are we going to see a wave of foreclosure? That's really the question, right? We're, like, we're going to see a wave. It's really how big is the wave. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for, for, for sort of level setting that. So I agree with that. I agree that there is going to be an increase in foreclosures period. Um this concept of people have so much equity in their homes now, this is not what we were dealing with back in 0708 where I was doing closings where people would state their income, state their assets, you know, tell you that they make 8 million dollars a year um, and they were getting approved for these loans of we went from 97% financing, I remember to 100% financing to more than yeah. 100% financing yeah, there were like that. pay you we're giving you money to renovate the house that we think you're going to renovate, yeah. right? And so, yes, that is certainly a data point. However, if you think about it from the perspective of the, the persona uh, and the profile of the person that is probably struggling through COVID and is in forbearance now, you are essentially predicting as an economist that because there is equity in that property, that they will make a strategic decision to involuntarily sell the property and take whatever is left of that equity, post real estate commission and so on and so forth and costs, and move somewhere else, either rent or downsize and so on and so forth. That's a hard pill to swallow when you were looking at where your kids go to school and what happens yeah. and the late that exists from you know from from from, from until ultimate foreclosure. Um, and w- the one thing that I always tell people is like, when the music stops in real estate, it's like the bar shutting down, like. It stops. It's over. And so you get some increased foreclosure activity in a couple of communities or neighborhoods. Do you know what that does to comps in the area? Right. And so that will, that will adversely affect comps. It will impact, it, it'll impact that. Now, that's the gloom side of sort of the narrative. But I think the positive piece of this is I do agree that there will be an increase, but I don't think that we will see anything the likes of what we saw right. during the great health crisis.
0: Yeah, I think and I agree. I think my, my perspective is the increase we're going to see through a period of time is is more about just that, that these haven't happened for so long it's been they've been paused, right? So you you have situations that otherwise would have happened months ago that have been pushed out 6, 12 plus months and of course those are some of those are just going to happen and and, the, and those will always happen regardless of the economic cycle that we're in. So uh yeah, all right. So the, the the last question is. This is how I like to close the uh, the, the podcast here. Um, mo- I, I guarantee most of my audience doesn't know Costa. They don't know Stabby because um, a lot of our what now they will. This is cool. This is what's fun about this. <laughs> now they will. you're putting me on the map. here. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not even on the map. So how can I put you on the map? Uh, <laughs> let's give, give us give us a little bit about. You know, your, who you are, what you like to do when you're not uh, solving these, these massive problems for our industry. Yeah, so, all right, I'll tell you who I am. So, like, where I came So, my
1: parents were both born in Greece. So, I grew up speaking Greek. English was the second language for me. Migris, um, right? Um, firstly, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be, like, an opolis or an Akis. But, yeah, um, I got lucky with a short Greek name. Um, so, like, on my name on my name in school and stuff like that, it wasn't that bad. Um, It doesn't mean the kids didn't make fun of what I was eating. But, um, yeah, so parents immigrated here from Greece, born and raised here in Boston. Um, I'm a science guy. I I studied uh, uh, physiology and chemistry at BU, um, med school dropout that went to law school to be a patent lawyer. Um, I've always been fascinated with sort of processes and structure, and so um, if I had done it all right from the beginning, I probably wouldn't have gone to law school. Maybe would have become an engineer. I don't know if I'm smart enough to be an engineer, but... Regardless, um, yeah, so I uh, I went to law school here in Boston and then um, built uh, title and settlement operations. Um, what makes me tick, um, I love building things. I'm a builder. And so for me, the, the, the best thing in terms of the things that excite me, and I think that's why Josh and I work really well together, is culture is really important. Um, and so, you know, organic growth within our organization, seeing people that I had hired as assistants at a law firm, and then mentoring them through and making them lawyers or helping them through that journey, becoming lawyers themselves is something that I love. Um, You know, because legacy to me is not my name on the side of a building. It's people looking back and saying, like, this is how I learned to do business. This is how I learned to build things. This was a mentor of mine. This was somebody in my journey. Um, And it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, What do I do for fun? I love to travel. So um, something I enjoy doing is getting on a plane. I worked from from Greece this summer um, for several weeks, which was really fun because – I not been able to go over there for several years. Um, but I like to travel. Um, I like to play golf when I haven't torn my bicep tendon, which I have to fix ah. this winter, and then I can play some golf again. Um, but, uh, yeah, enjoy, uh, enjoy going to live music, um, something that's been hard, obviously, through the pandemic, right. to be able to go to concerts and, um, and enjoy, um, enjoy live, live music. Uh, I'm a foodie, and through the pandemic, um, I have uh, really evolved my cooking skills. And so, you know, cooking for – uh, breakfast is like my favorite meal and one of the things, I and I love cooking breakfast, so I'm excited to get back into some sort of a hybrid office situation where we have a larger kitchen so that once a month I can actually just go into the kitchen and just cook for the entire team. Uh, i got to get on the, cal- so, I gotta yeah, be on the
0: calendar for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My nephews always uh, tell my, uh, my brother and sister-in-law, um, that their breakfast uh, pales in comparison to what their uncle makes. There made. you so, go. Uh, I'll get up in the morning if they're sleeping over, and they'll be like, oh, we want shakshuka." I was like, yeah, no problem. Let me just start cooking some tomato sauce and herbs and Moroccan spices and <laughs> poach some eggs. So um, it is something I enjoy doing, and we will definitely, uh, when we get you over to Boston, we'll have you over
0: for breakfast. Awesome. Well, Costa, thank you so much for joining on Friday here. I know it's early, and appreciate you spending some time with us, helping us get to know Stabby. I'm really excited to, to see where you guys take this. I I I, I know that uh, you're going to conquer our industry, but just just understanding your platform, I think that the world's wide open for you across other, other financial sectors. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you on the conference circuit soon. Thank you for having me. Um,
1: really um, excited and humbled to be here, and I, I know this has been a long time in the making, so thanks for your patience in getting us together. Right on. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. All right, my man, have a great weekend.